We may not be as familiar with that song, but I would direct your attention to the bottom of the page. It says Gregory of Nazianzus, 325 to 390. Those words that come to us, which we sing now, have their origin in that theologian, a well-known theologian in regards to the Trinity and ironing out the, the orthodox doctrine of the Trinity. I just point that out to just show that the faith that we have is so generational, so long, 325 to 390, and yet we can still gather and sing the truths that have proven faithful. Even as that psalm and the prayer reflect, there is difficulties that we go through. And yet, you know what's interesting? God's people stand and endure. You come, you encounter some places in God's word where it talks about God's faithfulness. That you won't be struck. That you, you won't be cast out and down. And, and at times we do feel that and we think that. And yet, would any Christian, any true Christian, say the Lord has abandoned them. Or would every true Christian who has gone through and borne a lot, even as so many of you bear now and are go undergoing at the end of your life, you and by God's grace and in perseverance will say the same, that God has remained faithful. Just as we can say with the, the saints of old who lived in the 300, so we say now our God is faithful and we trust in him. We turn our attention this evening to God's word. We will read from Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. That can be found on page 1276. And we will be reading from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 5. That can be found on page 205 in your Forms and Prayers book. We will, you don't need to turn there now, we will also read from Luke 23, 39 to 43, but that'll be later in the service. So, at this point, Hebrews 2, 14 to 18, and Lord's Day 5. Before we read God's word, let's ask for his blessing. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you and we pray that we would understand these words that you give and reveal about the very nature of the mediator, about the requirements and the nuances of who this one must have been, we ask that we would understand it and we would pray we would be orthodox. And what we mean by that is true to your word, that we would understand not only what you are, who you are, and the Trinity, but who the Son is and how he was able to take on our flesh and bear our sin as our mediator. May we understand the, those, those technical aspects, but see in it your great love for your people and all the pains you have taken to redeem the, those who were, in a worldly sense, unredeemable and certainly unworthy. May we then bow in awe before you, open the word of life to us, that we may, we may hear it and believe and have life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, 
so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Take note from this passage what we see of our mediator who had to share in our likeness and in our natures. Now we turn to an explanation of what God's word teaches in Lord's Day 5. It says, According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both now and into eternity. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of this justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or by another. Can we make this payment ourselves? Certainly not. Actually, we increase our debt every day. Can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? No, to begin with, God will not punish any other creature for what a human is guilty of. Furthermore, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal wrath against sin and delivers, deliver others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for, then? One who is a true and righteous man, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is also true God. Brothers and sisters, imagine, if you would, for just a moment, that you have a meeting with the IRS or, or your accountant or financial advisor, whoever, and you are informed of this crushing debt, a crushing debt that you cannot repay, and the weight that that would, would fall on you and strike you. Here, here's this debt. We can't repay it. It's, it's, it's so high. You've been implicated in the crimes of your father, and now you have to foot the bill. And yet, to make matters worse, not only are you implicated in his own crimes, you have your own, and, and you've been informed of all the tax evasions, of the theft and things you've done, of, of interest left unpaid, of all these things, and, and there's this crushing weight. And as you exit, I this shows my ignorance. I, I don't know that the IRS even brings you to an office, but let's just go with it. Say you're exiting the IRS office. And as you, you exit, someone approaches you, and we'll, we'll, call him, uh, we'll call him Mr. Evangelist. Now I'm stealing from Pilgrim's Progress, but I think that's okay. And, and this Mr. Evangelist comes up to you and says, I, I know what just happened. I, I know that you have this debt. I know that there's these problems. Well, I'm a, I'm a financial advisor. I'm a fixer. I come in to help these situations and these matters. Come here into my office, step in, and let's go through your options. Let's go through your options and how to pay this debt. You see, I set that before us, this financial difficulty, because I think it helps us understand truly what the Catechism is saying. The Catechism itself uses the words of payment. And so we can understand it as paying back a debt. And we can see then what our options are and to almost treat it like here we are. Here we've entered this office. We've entered the fixer, the one who's going to advise us on how we might get out of this debt. What's the plan forward? What do we need to accommodate our state of misery? You will notice as well in the Catechism, boys and girls, if you have it in front of you, that there is a bigger heading right before Lord's Day 5. It says, Part 2, Deliverance. 
So we've gone through a transition here. We've gone through what was a, a statement of our sin, of our inability. We're unable. We can't save ourselves. That, that we, are, we, we can't keep the law. We can't be obedient perfectly. So we've gone to, through that in depth. And now we have deliverance. We're in a section of deliverance. But you might ask the question, this is a strange Lord's Day to, be, to begin this section. There isn't seemingly a lot of hope here. It would almost seem that this Lord's Day would belong in the previous section on our misery. We're still talking about our misery. But here's the reason why this is and should be in the section of deliverance. You'll notice the question. The questions have changed from those of defense the questions have changed from what we might be able to do, what we could do, that kind of thing. And now the questions that are asked are those who see misery and are asking for a way out. And that's why it's in the section of deliverance. I'm just going to read the questions. We're going to skip the answers here, but just look at the questions. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both now and in eternity. How then can we escape this punishment, return to God's favor? So this, this hypothetical asker of the catechism's questions is acknowledging we deserve this punishment. They understand that. Question, answer, question 13, can we make this payment ourselves? You see, they understand there's a payment that must be made. Can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? What is the option? And then last, what kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? This is in deliverance because these are the type of questions that a Christian or one who is being led to salvation asks about deliverance, about salvation. And so we see this answer and we come then to a main question. And that fits into our little illustration here about crushing financial debt. What payment plan will accommodate our state of misery? That's the main question we're asking. What payment plan frees us of this debt? And we see very briefly, we'll see the payment required in question and answer 12. And then we'll see three options. We'll see option one, payment by amortization. Option two, payment by non-human benefactor. And option three, payment through hypostatic union. This is probably the first sermon I was ever trying to do and be intentionally a little obscure about the points, about making it a little technical. And my reason for doing that is because I want us to understand this. I want us to feel that, that crushing understanding of our debt and wonder what's the way out and to look at the options and even see, well, how is that achieved and what does that even mean? Financial matters do that to us rather quickly. You try to fill out your tax forms. You try to fill out these things. You can't understand them. You're looking at other options, where to go to. You're trying to find a way out. You're trying to find a way to free yourself and fill it out successfully. And, I, and, and that's what I want us to kind of understand, even through these points, the weight of this debt. Well, first, we see the payment required. What is this payment? Very briefly, answer 12. God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of this justice must be paid, and this is key, paid in full, either by ourselves or by another. And so that's, that's the payment required, a full payment. You can't pay off a portion and call it good. There's not just some little thing that you can fill some box in and, and, and pay back that portion, and then you're all right. And it's also, as it says, it must be paid either by you or another. And that, in the catechism's flow introduces the idea, well, is there another that can pay this? Is there one to deliver us? The prior Lord's Days have shown that God requires this full justice and satisfaction. Romans 2, verse 6 and following says that he will render to each one according to his works. 
To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Well, in the middle of these verses, what you see is a full payment that must be made or bear the full wrath of God. And that's in keeping with the prior Lord's days. This is what's, this is what's brought against us. We are all in this misery, and so how should we proceed? Here's the first option. Payment by amortization. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a hard word to pronounce. Amortization is the action or process of reducing or paying off a debt with regular payments. Is there a payment plan? That's how we could simplify it. Is there a payment plan? Can, can I pay it off in, in segments? Can I slowly grind my way, claw my way back into it? And this is the first option because this is the one we want. This is the one we would like to fulfill. Can we pay this ourselves? It's an appealing option. We, we are in this mess. Let's pull ourselves out of it. Choose this one. Pay it back. And in fact, there are those who would seem to believe these types of things, like the Church of Rome. And can you, can you gain so much merit that you not only are out of the deficit, but you're into the, the positive columns? That you've not only amassed so much righteousness as to keep yourself safe and to, to keep yourself in the covenant, but you've, uh, you've put so much of that merit that you've gone above and beyond that it's in the treasury of merit. That can be applied to others. Is, is this the way? Can that happen? Is that all that's needed? Or was, was Jesus just that good example? That just good example we needed, and now in following his lead, we can mimic him and claw ourselves out of this debt, live such a life that will be acceptable to God? Well, that's what we call plagiarism. Belief that you can do it yourself, that you have to. You have to perform these works. Or, well, what if it's not maybe that we have to fully pay it or that we're fully corrupted, that we just have to do something, one thing that God will say, hey, that's good enough to account for it all. All, all you have to do is, is, is place your trust in me. Faith itself can be a work, and if you can perform it, and if you can do that, I will accept you. Is that an option? Well... Question and answer 13 answers it, and it's very short. Certainly not. Actually, we increase our debt every day. So that's added to the weight. Here we are talking to, to Mr. Evangelist, and what we see as we're running the numbers is we see our various options that we're continuing to run up debt. The credit cards are maxed out. We're not even making the full payments on that. We're accruing interest on that. It keeps getting worse and worse. And we're, giving, we're digging ourselves further and further into oblivion. In fact, we've, we've done arrived there, you could say. That's the problem. You see, these ideas fail because man's moral corruption is now innate to his human condition. That's, that's why we went through the section of misery. We're totally depraved. Unable to save. The inability to save yourself... We can't offer a payment plan, and there are only two possibilities. There's two possibilities. Either we have not been corrupted and can't obey the Lord, or we have been corrupted and can't, and we already know the answer. Our nature, our human nature, is so morally corrupt. It does not correspond to the law of God. It can't. 
And so we're unlawful, unjustifiable, and consequently we are rendered guilty before the Lord. Romans 2 verse 5, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. We're storing up wrath. Fallen man stores up wrath for himself. There is no payment plan. And so that option isn't available to us. Cross it off on the form. doesn't work. You see, here's the thing. In our fallen state, we can do no good. In our redeemed state, we are able to do good. But that, that doesn't mean we're able to do good and achieve anything for ourselves. And you'll notice the, the jump there. In John chapter 3, the Lord explains that unless you're born again, unless the Holy Spirit regenerates you, you can't seek the kingdom of God. And so to, to even begin to try and, to, and pay off such a debt with good works, you must first be redeemed. Th- then you could do good works, but you see, to be redeemed, the debt's already paid. See, we're, we're unable to do good unless we're redeemed. When we're redeemed, there, there is no payment plan anymore. Do you see that? You see how works aren't the answer and never can be? It must be being born again by the Spirit. Only then are we able to even do good, but not in a way that saves. Not in a way that pays back the debt. It's paid already. That's the very truth when we're able to now do even, even imperfect goodness. The requirement to enter the kingdom of God is to then be born uh, by the Spirit of God. We cannot keep it. We cannot keep the law. So option one doesn't work. What about option two? Option two, payment by non-human benefactor. Now why is it worded this way? Well, we already know it can't be human. That's why. All humanity, it would seem, is, is cursed. That's the answer. Totally unable to save. So then our, our savior, our benefactor, must be someone who's not a human. Question and answer 14. Can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? Is there this possibility of a creature to be a benefactor? What is a benefactor? A benefactor is a person who gives money or other help to a person or cause. Does creation offer this for us? Could it be an animal? Could it be an angel? Could it be any other, any other being in existence to so pay our sins? And the Catechism says, To begin with, God will not punish any other creature for what a human is guilty of. You see, we run into another problem. That problem, again, is God's justice. We saw that last time. God's justice is perfect and complete. He won't allow any other nature, any other thing, any other being to be punished for what they did not do. And the only payment he will offer on behalf of another as a benefactor must belong to the same nature that has sinned. You see this in the verses that are even footnoted in this answer. Ezekiel 18, 4 and 20 states that the soul who sins shall die. And what we understand by that is to say that the, those guilty pay the penalty. Man is guilty. Man must pay the penalty. This is also why we read Hebrews 2. Look at verse, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. To make propitiation for the sins of the people, he had to be man. 
So that's the first problem we encounter by a non-human benefactor. It's got to be human. But there's another problem, the second problem. The Catechism says, Furthermore, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. So it's starting to take shape here. Can't be anyone other than a man. And oh, by the way, that one to, to save you must possess the shoulders strong enough to bear the weight of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. Those are two major problems. A benefactor must be human. We're all totally depraved. And he must be powerful enough to bear eternal wrath. Well, who is that? And now we come to that third option. Payment through hypostatic union. It's a very technical term. What does that mean? Hypostatic union. Hypo, hypostatic refers to the Greek word hypostasis, which is a word that means substance, existence, even person. And what this is referring to is the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, I should say, as divine and human that comes together in this union in his person. The hypostatic union refers to the God-man. Question and answer 15 brings this up. It brings up the acceptable parameters of who our mediator must be, one who is a true and righteous man, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is one who is also true God. This refers to a union of the human and divine natures in the person of Christ without mixture, confusion, division, or separation of those natures. The Athanasian Creed describes it. And so you can, you can leave here tonight and say, hey, I know where the hypostatic union can be found and defended from our creeds probably didn't know you'd be able to do that after this evening's service. This is what the Athanasian Creed says. Now this is the true faith, that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and man equally. He is God from the essence of the Father, begotten before time. And he is man from the essence of his mother, born in time, completely God, completely man, with a rational soul and a human flesh, equal to the Father as regards divinity, less than the Father as regards humanity. Although he is God and man, yet Christ is not two, but one. He is one, however, not by his divinity being turned into flesh, but by God's taking humanity to himself. He is one, certainly not by the blending of his essence, but by the unity of his person, for just as one man is both rational soul and flesh, so too the one Christ is both God and man. Now we're going to unpack that more in the following Lord's Day. But in our meeting with our financial advisor and fixer, here's where we come to. This is it. This is your only option. Question answer 12 showed the justice that needs to be satisfied. Question answer 13 showed it can't be paid by us and there's no payment plan available. Question answer 14 showed that it can't be paid by a different creature. And as those as background, question answer 15 provides the proper parameters of our, our salvation. Must be man and this man must be righteous, yet this, this man must be of the human nature and able to bear the weight of sin. Should be an easy task, right? We're just swimming in those type of benefactors. They're all around. Of course, we know that that's not the case. What's amazing about this, this is the, the, the golden nugget that I want us to see through all of this. 
God constructed such a history. As history unfolded, he constructed a world. And his plan was one that there would be only one who could save. There wouldn't be any other. There was no man available, and there was no angel available, and there was no animal sacrifice that could fulfill it. So his plan before even creating the world was that it would be him. We know that. But that's amazing. And we can get even more precise. The Trinity, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we can even be more precise than that. That it would only be the Father who could so predestine and so choose. That it would only be the Son. Literally, the second person of the Trinity even couldn't have been the other members of the Trinity. It could only have been the Son himself to take on human nature. There is no other being in existence that could do such a thing. And it would only be the Holy Spirit who'd be able to apply the work of that Redeemer to us, his people. There's an old saying, an old adage, don't ask someone to do something you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. Apparently that applies to God quite well. He wouldn't ask anyone else to do this. He would be the one to pay our debt, and he had always designed it to be that. It's always going to be him and no other option. What does that convey if not a great love that God has for his people? For God so loved the world that he did come. For God so loved the world that he did choose, that he did create. And that it would only be him and it would only be the Son and the Son himself who responded to this plan and will wholeheartedly that he would be the one to assume a human nature and bear eternal wrath because he could be a man. He could assume that nature. And he has the shoulders powerful enough to withstand it. But no one else does. That is amazing. It's amazing that the plan of redemption leads us to such a great truth. Now up to this point, I've been, and somewhat purposely so, obscure and technical. But let's end by simplifying all this. Because we're not hounded by the IRS, and we're not talking to Mr. Evangelist, and we're not reading a technical document form on taxes or anything else. How do we apply salvation? How do we understand redemption? Redemption is a word that means to buy back. To buy back. And it consists of three things. A confession of guilt, a sincere prayer for deliverance, and a longing for fellowship. Confession of guilt, a sincere prayer for deliverance, a longing for fellowship. This is how simple... What might seem to be complex might be, and here's where we turn to Luke 23. You turn to Luke 23, verses 39 and following. We 
We actually come face to face with one who's in far greater danger than financial troubles, in a far worse position than a debt, and in an IRS office. We come to the crucifixion account itself, Luke 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. There's a confession of guilt. He says, But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There is a sincere prayer for deliverance and a desire for fellowship. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What would seem to be so complex, so otherworldly technical, is so simple that a criminal, while being crucified and dying, probably very difficult to even speak, can at that moment make a request, a petition to the one next to him and receive eternal life. And poof, the debt's gone. That simply, and all that frustration and all that fear and that burden is gone. In, in how long did it take us to read that? In a matter of seconds? And we cut through all that was technical to just see the love of God, the love of Christ, who can, even as he hangs on his cross, reach over and save the one, the criminal next to him. Because it was always to be that. It was always to be that way. That our mediator would be man, would know our sin, and could be properly punished for us, and yet would be God, who could bear the power, the wrath of eternal punishment, and so save his people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you in prayer, having just read words quite remarkable of one not deserving salvation who surely amassed a, a debt that should have been paid in hell times eternity and yet in a single moment through the power of the Holy Spirit working within him through a confession he makes that you would remember him in the kingdom has all removed has everything paid for so paid for that not only is his debts gone, but he has the merit of Christ himself, of you in, our, in his account, and we have that in ours. We praise you for the divine will and plan. We, we see it. What creature could, could so predestine, so arrange a world that it would be you and you alone who could save, and it would be even through something we could make so technical as hypostatic union. But it would always be you to save. That you did this not only for the love that you have for each other in your triune nature as 
as a gift of Father to Son, of Son to Father through Holy Spirit, but you did it, as your word says, because you loved your people. We thank you for that great truth. We pray that we would respond in worship and praise to your name. Amen.